0: Hey guys, welcome back to Over the Phone. I'm your host Jack Kane. I'm here with Michael Wheeler. He's the Web3 Weekly Podcast host. What was the NFT Nation podcast for those who don't know and how that kind of evolved into the Web3 Weekly Podcast?
1: Yeah, so uh obviously NFT Nation is kind of the same thing as Web3 Weekly but with a different name. If you kind of go to our Spotify page or any of our kind of uh podcast pages and you scroll down, you'll still see the NFT Nation like episodes and NFT Nation was kind of, uh, I just want to say like the first iteration of what the web three weekly podcast is kind of forming into where uh, obviously a lot of people kind of have. uh, uh, Let's say already formed opinions about what NFTs are whether they're stupid a scam or whatever so, especially with people I was trying to get in touch with and kind of growing the podcast. um, They were like, why are you only talking about NFTs do you only talk about NFTs Do you talk about other stuff in crypto and since the content was uh, just all throughout crypto and kind of that whole world, I decided, well, I think I need a better name to kind of have a better scope of exactly what I do and what my content's all about. So yeah, that's pretty much what NFT NFT Nation was and how it formed into what what it is now.
0: So I want to kind of help the listeners get around to what exactly Web3 is and why it's called Web3. And um, so I want to first talk about web 1.0 so uh what was web point web 1.0 and why was it so rudimentary
1: yeah so web 1.0 was kind of like your uh we'll call it our parents internet it was like mainly around when the internet first happened where it was just uh just static static pages pretty much like you type in there was no google or anything um they're just you can't interact you couldn't interact with the like website at all it was pretty much just loading like a picture or something um, and the only, only people that could edit the uh, kind of content that you saw with a certain URL or certain website was the people that were making it. So, like, sometimes if you go to, say, Google, you can click on stuff and you can type in, you can kind of uh, put your own input into the kind of website or whatever. But with Web1, which was from about, like, the 1990s, 2004-ish, like, it, you pretty much were just typing in a URL that your friend told you to type in. And because there was no really database, you couldn't like search or whatever. So you could only type in URLs you already had. And that was pretty much just static screen. Just like I said, that would load maybe just like it kind of was like almost like a menu. Like you you just look at it, You can't really like click or anything like that.
0: Moving on from how Web 1.0 evolved into what it is today. How did that happen?
1: Yeah. So pretty much obviously as the uh, internet got bigger and bigger with just more people, um, getting on the internet, understanding how important the internet was and everything, and kind of understanding how revolutionary it was, more and more people started developing into it. <clears throat> so the, the term like web 2.0 really only became a thing at like a big conference and around like the 2004-ish kind of era where they wanted to kind of upgrade the internet because obviously they knew what kind of potential it had and This The Web 2.0, to put it simply, it's that you can now interact with websites and you're able to interact with the internet, pretty much. Web 1 is just looking at it. Web 2 is interacting with it. And also, not only do you interact with it, the uh, website kind of reacts to what you want to do with it. Like, obviously, if you search something, uh, it will give you results based on what you search, whatever, stuff like that. You're able to click on links. You're able to will most annoyingly click on ads sometimes by accident but like it's still it's just interacting with it and kind of be the internet is evolving into pretty much we I mean we're currently using web 2. like right now we' to using web 2 um, with it's pretty much just the social aspect of the internet like a great way to kind of describe this is someone that has like just social like your social media you can interact with someone's post. You can, like, comment, you can share it, you can, like, FaceTime, stuff like that, where you're able to connect, interact, and you can just respond to what the internet is seeing and you're able to respond with what you're looking at, pretty much. So, yeah, that's pretty much what Web2 is, and, like, they're always, I I don't think there'll ever be an end to Web2, because there's a big difference between, I think, I think the difference between Web2 and Web3 is is, uh, more, fast than the difference between Web 1 and Web 2. So I think Web 2 is really going to be around uh, for a for a very long time, just because we've been so used to Web 2. Web 2 is kind of uh, just a daily part of our lives. Like we do everything on Web 2. So it would just make sense for it to stay.
0: So you were talking about Web 3.0. So talk about how it's it's a concept and we're also going in that direction.
1: Yeah. So uh, it's really hard to explain uh, Web3 without kind of just giving a concrete definition of it. So I I, I do have it. And it's like Web3 is pretty much doing the same interaction and utilization of what Web2 does. But it's altering the web that puts the data that like the website receives into a database. But obviously Web2 has a database as well. But now it's including integration of ledger technology like similar to blockchain and stuff. So that data becomes decentralized and everyone can see the data, not just the company or someone who's the controller admin of the kind of website. So I think uh, my easiest way, I was kind of brainstorming how to describe this, especially with just a beginner's uh, mindset in that say, obviously, so let's just use Facebook. You're on Facebook. I mean, no one uses Facebook, especially people are, but say you're on Facebook and you're interacting, you're You're looking at stuff you're liking posts all your data is being collected by facebook and obviously they are going to sell that data to advertisers to make money that's a big profit making thing for facebook and that's another reason why people are venturing into web3 because uh they want their data to be decentralized they don't want someone to own their data they want to be more private and they want to be able to kind of control what they what happens with the data they own and And that's what happens when the data is put on an open-sourced blockchain. Like everyone can see the data, it's not controlled by someone. They can't choose whether for the data to be private or not and like whether to kind of take advantage of your data, if that makes sense. And- Go ahead. So I was just gonna be like, uh, I have a few kind of more basic understandings of what Web3 is. And like, especially with the use of blockchain technology, it's important uh, that we can have a website or application That's almost impossible to hack because since it's on like the blockchain, it's not controlled by one person. There's not like one kind of center of attack, if that makes sense. Like, say, or I'm a a big, I'm a big, I've been getting Star Wars lately. So like, let's say Facebook is the Death Star. And obviously, if you go into, if there's one focal point where you can attack the Death Star and it will explode. But with with a blockchain, that isn't possible because there's so many different nodes it's spread out that's the kind of the whole point of decentralization there's no one point of attack and there's no one kind of fail safe that makes sense
0: yeah well sort of and make it's it's, yeah. it's like yeah. trying to wrap your head around something that's abstract. yeah
1: it's 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 very complicated i try like even sometimes like i, I do this for fun like I, I i go into web3 and i'm in twitter space all the time trying to kind of wrap my head through, there's always something to learn and especially with web3 it's just like especially whether it be with the NFT crypto or just kind of blockchain technology side of Web3, there's it feels like there's something always new to learn, which is kind of cool. It's kind of like a uh, never-ending puzzle almost, which is kind of cool.
0: How do you think that Web2 will morph into Web3 or will it kind of be a disconnect type of uh, process? Yeah,
1: so I think it's going to be something like, we're going to use both like so it's hard to explain it's like why would you only use web two or why would you not want to just only you like why would you want to use both well there's obviously pros and cons of using something that's centralized and using something that's decentralized like I think a good. uh, use for web three is trying to having a trustless society, especially with social media, where um, I don't really know where you stand uh, like politically on this where. Like if Elon Musk buys Twitter and he allows people to have more of a free voice um, that obviously can, or if he since if there's one person that owns Twitter pretty much and he, it's a centralized service, obviously he can pick and choose what people are allowed to say. He can pick and choose whether people are even allowed on the app. And if there was, there's all that, that's why there's been an increase of kind of web three social media that's come up where it's decentralized and there's no one uh, there's no one ruler where you, this is bad this is not allowed or you can't say that or anything like that and that obviously has its pros and cons of some people should not be allowed to say certain things but it it is a um, increase of free speech and I think that's why a lot of web 3 uh, uh, just people that like web 3 kind of or go towards it just because of that aspect of kind of free speech and stuff but using web 2 is kind of obviously going to be an intricate part of our lives just because there's some services where it really doesn't need to be uh decentralized just like basic video chats like this doesn't need to be on a decentralized server or anything it can just there's no point unless zoom is like you can't meet at seven you can't meet you can't have zoom meetings after seven o'clock or anything like that then you'd have to think like okay like how can we fix this like let's do something that isn't controlled but i mean obviously people um there's this stuff called the Brave browser that I use where it's it's not fully decentralized, but it uh, doesn't sell any of your data and it kind of lets lets you uh, choose what you wanna do with your data. And I, I have a big like episode about why I use the Brave browser and it actually gives you a cryptocurrency for your attention, which is called the basic attention token and you get paid like monthly for just using their websites because it will it will show you ads, but you can choose how many ads you wanna see, and stuff like that. So you can choose whether um, like you, they let you see your data or not. So also, I think with the increase of artificial intelligence, especially with Web3, uh, that's kind of going to, you can see obviously there's a lot of pros and cons with that as well, just because uh, there's, uh, since that new research came out, I think, I don't know, I don't want to be, I don't want to misspeak, misspeak, but uh, I think like almost 70% of accounts online are of artificial intelligence. So that's a lot of what web uh, what's going to happen with Web three because it's going to be like a brain for the internet, pretty much. And their AI is going to pretty much control the internet. And since um, the this AI will be able to provide faster and a lot more relevant uh, results, especially with if you search something on Google, uh, the AI, the increase of and in, like just the increase in AI and how much better they get at knowing who you are, um, that will obviously get you better searches and stuff like that. But also that's another reason why some people like centralized stuff. Like I understand if people want to stay on web too, because sometimes it just makes it simple. Like Google's so good at what they do. Like they, it's just, it's just simple sometimes. Like you just think of something and sometimes it's scary. You just like think or talk about something and you get an Amazon ad for like a product. But sometimes people are okay with that. People are okay with giving a company their data for making their life simple. So I understand that why people wouldn't want to like, hop into web three fully so and like that's even me like i'm not in web three fully i use web two applications just because it makes like simple and i don't think we're at the point yet to where web three can be something we use for everything
0: and i'm glad you brought up that uh, example with twitter and elon musk because my next question is about you know decentralization and it's truthful like how will it affect truthfulness and um so do you think a decentralized internet will increase its reliability in terms of truth truthfulness? Or do you think or do you see this concept as producing more like disinformation?
1: Yeah, that's a that's a kind of a question that is pretty it, it makes you it makes you it's it's pretty mind boggling just because you can look at it as well, if people aren't shunned, they're able to say whatever. And then that can that can be the truth, but it also can just be hyperbole and just random, anything, just awful stuff people say. So I think if there is a more of a decentralized internet, especially with like the social media aspect, it will give people more of an opportunity to speak their mind and speak what they're saying. Because let's say, let's just take—I don't want to use CNN or Fox News as an example. Let's just use NBC. And there's some news going around, and uh, say one of the say something bad happens to a major company and that's like really, really bad, and that major company sponsors NBC or is like a funder of some of their stuff, like NBC is not going to want to like promote that news just because they're being funded, especially with all the, there's probably big uh, people that have a lot more money than me, especially with a lot higher positions that are like, we can't run this story, like that's not happening. And with something that's decentralized, that, that, that story would get out, the truth would get out, especially with just find this major details and nothing would be left out to make the company seem better, if that makes sense. But also you have to look at it on. Sometimes these companies are doing good by allowing crazy people and bad actors to not have a voice, especially with people that are harassing people online. Um, Like I think it's good for companies, especially social media to ban users that are just bullying or harassing and stuff like that. But I think that's going to come with anything. Like you can't have a perfect society uh, i think especially with like if everyone used a web 3 social media people like that would kind of just be shunned if that makes sense like no one would really listen to them it's like no one's listening to crazy jerry down the street like you like they're going to have a reputation for being crazy if that makes sense
0: yeah and just to, to kind of conclude the interview i want to talk about more of your personal journey through
1: crypto yeah.
0: and in the web 3 so how did you first get involved in the crypto space
1: so i think i've always Cause I remember like to the, I, I didn't buy crypto until about 2020, but I remember always being kind of, or always hearing about it and always wanting to learn more about crypto. And I remember telling my dad one time in like 2017, I was like, dad, like, have you heard of this Bitcoin? It, I think it was at the end of the 2017 bull market with Bitcoin. And it probably came up on like Instagram or something, or I probably saw it on TV. And I was like, dad, have you like thought about maybe buying Bitcoin? And he was like, Son, like I know nothing about it, but all I know is that it's almost impossible to get your money out, so if anything happens it's a, it's you're going to lose all your money, so I think that's kind of funny. But uh, that's that's my first memory with kind of cryptocurrency It was just bitcoin, but, especially with the crypto space I obviously. Um, I got my first start with just like the dogecoin hype because i've always been an Elon Musk guy i've always been pro just pro technology and i've always been kind of just i um, I can just realize he's so much smarter than so many people and what he's able to do with uh everything he does especially his multiple businesses is really impressive to me so uh i my first uh crypto i ever bought was bitcoin obviously i, I had a robin account and then i think the second one was dogecoin because i caught it i caught it pretty early where it was like before elon musk started getting into it but i heard a lot of people talking about it and as like a joke, I was like, eh. I, I had a couple, I had, I had some disposable income from just like working summer jobs and stuff. I was like, ah, I'll throw some money in. And ended up making like two hundred bucks off Dogecoin. I I sold because I was like, because the more and more research I did, the, that that's when I began to dive into crypto. Is I, I kind of bought. This is bad financial advice. Don't do what I did. But like, I bought crypto and then learned about it afterwards, which is you never want to do that. That's horrible. But uh, I ended up making some money off of it. I sold as I continued to do more research. I was like, "Dogecoin's stupid. There's an unlimited supply. There's no use case for it. It's just a joke." I, I, I'm I'm up 200 bucks on my investment. I'm done. I, I got out. So I, it's actually funny. I sold and then put it in the Bitcoin because I think Bitcoin actually has a future. But yeah, that's pretty much how I got started in the crypto space. And I want to uh, reiterate the importance of uh, my friend Alex, who is no longer on the podcast. It's it's just me. But he was a big proponent of doing the podcast as well as he was kind of my only crypto friend, you could say, just because me and him were uh, really good friends who like talking about crypto together. So I just want to give a shout out to him. And he it, it was actually his idea to, to start the podcast. So I always want to make sure that he gets the credit uh, he deserves.
0: And talking about your podcast, what would you say is your overall goal for it?
1: Yeah, so right now, I'm kind of treating it as like a little summer side gig, just doing it for fun, um, meeting people via Twitter spaces and kind of hosting some Twitter spaces just to get the name out and explain like, hey, if you're having trouble understanding crypto, that's my goal here to be the most relatable and reliable kind of crypto NFT and blockchain tech podcast there is. And the goal is obviously, honestly, just to continue. I'm not looking to stop anytime soon. I have a pretty good pipeline for interviews. I have a wide variety of guests, especially uh, on my calendar. Like if you look at my calendar for the next few days, this this is the people I I have a lot of introductory meetings to learn more about people just to build connection in the space. Because since since I believe the the more and more we kind of go throughout crypto tech and the more and more it improves, the more and more Web3 is going to grow and the more and more uh, it's going to have like a use case and people are actually going to use it for everyday stuff. I think it's important to build connections. In the space now and kind of continue to get that information out now so in a few years when it does become mainstream and it might even be more than a few years until we're doing until we're more decentralized than we are now but uh yeah i think the goal is just to continue kind of building continue getting information out there i started a new uh kind of uh we'll say just genre of episode or just series we'll say called the uh, uh, Web3DGens kind of opinions, where I just bring some people I've met through Twitter spaces to kind of host give their opinions on not only the current state of crypto, but kind of what's going on. Um, So there's a big controversy with this. uh, I'm not going to get too much into it, but I'll just say there's a big controversy on the crypto space. And I brought one of my kind of Twitter space co-hosts onto the podcast. And I was like, hey, I'll ask you about 10 questions about current state and what how you feel about this topic and kind of let's go so that's my goal is to not just because i think it's important to get people's opinions on there like she uh wasn't like an artist or anything it was just like a regular person that's inside crypto and i'm like hey like let's bring a person on just a normal person that's how do you feel about the crypto market how are you dealing with all these experiences and everything like that so the goal to i kind of keep getting away from your question but The goals are pretty much just keep building, keep interviewing, keep getting information out there and uh, just seeing where I can go with it. Because honestly, I'm just having fun.
0: Yeah. And one last question. Uh, um, One one more. So uh, why are you so compelled to advocate for crypto? I mean, I'm talking long term.
1: Yeah. So like, obviously, I'm going to be honest, like I I own crypto. So obviously, I'm an advocate for it. That's just something that I think everyone in the crypto space that advocate for does own crypto. Or at least some type of, uh, like, whether it be just cryptocurrency or anything like that. But uh, I just think it's a new way to kind of give people access to a monetary system and kind of give people freedom. Because, especially with the increase of Bitcoin, like, no one can control Bitcoin. No one can kind of stop it just because it is fully decentralized. It's the most decentralized cryptocurrency by far. And especially it shows that by being the number one cryptocurrency but i just think it's obviously it's kind of cool the technology aspect of it is very cool i think the nft market gives a lot of people a outlet to kind of express themselves and uh i just want to throw in there that nfts are not just a photo nfts when you're you can't copy nft when you're purchasing an nft you're pur- purchasing the ip token that's connected to the to the uh photo uh it's kind of like the you're buying the treasure map to the treasure and the treasure is the photo. In the underlying token is what you're actually paying for that's what makes it rare that's what makes it unique and everything so i just wanted to get that out there before because i think a lot of people will have that uh miss misconstrued about what really an nft is like if you screenshot the nft yes you have the picture but it doesn't really mean much but just i think the goal especially with nft is it can bring a lot of people together like especially doing twitter spaces it's crazy to see how communities uh will come together through uh just all being in the same NFT community, whether they just, some people aren't even, like don't even own one of the NFTs and they, they're they still, it's a big community aspect and they still feel a part of it because they're kind of there every day. And it's cool to see also, I think uh, just like I said, artists have a big uh, outlet to express themselves. And it's really just, especially with the, in, uh, just increase of people in the space and kind of the money that's going into the space uh, with, a, with NFT NYC, which is a big convention that's kind of, but this is currently going on at the time of recording. It's been a few, it's been a, it's a few days in uh, just a, a big NFT convention in New York, and it's just crazy to see how many people have so much passion for the space. It brings so many people together, and yeah, like obviously, there's a big monetary aspect where obviously, if Web three and crypto increases in popularity, prices will continue to rise. But I think it's important to kind of also have a diversified uh, assets. Like personally. I invest in the stock market, I have other assets than just crypto. And I because I believe crypto is very risky. Uh yeah, I think the money you're putting the crypto if it, it, it shouldn't be anything like you're going to eat off of but um I just think there's a big, there's a big uh, future. I think the ceiling's very high for crypto, especially with the increase of utility for kind of decentralized finance as well as um, big banks beginning to invest in the crypto and yeah you, no one can tell you what to do with your crypto because you own it so that's pretty much why well that's pretty much why i'm in it
0: um I, it's always like hurts my head sometimes when i about yeah. stuff. yeah oh
1: yeah it's- don't worry sometimes i'll join a twitter space and they'll be talking about just the utility for just like a cryptocurrency or something and i'm just sitting there like hold on we just need to press play and rewind like this hurts It's like all that's like sometimes I sit there and just take notes, but I think that's one of the faults of cryptocurrency is that it's becoming very, very, it's very, very complicated now. I think a lot of people, a lot of companies are working to make it very simple, uh, especially with all not to get like down a rabbit hole, but this wallet app I use called Exodus, uh, when I import some coins into it, let's say like Cardano or Solana, it instantly allows me to stake so it's it makes it easier for me i don't have to join a stake pool myself i don't have to do all the research it just instantly lets me do it especially with the increase of things like coinbase or kind of uh with Robinhood, and there's actually 401ks and iras that will let you invest in the cryptocurrency through that uh kind of waypoint so it's cool i think there's going to be a lot of people in the the coming years especially with we're in a bear market right now I, i wouldn't i would expect us being it for probably like almost a year if not longer just because if you look at the past crypto cycles normally um the bear markets last more than a year but I think there's a lot of pro- there's a lot of possibilities with the market and I mean not, it's not financial advice but if you look at all the charts uh the times when people are saying Bitcoins a scam the times when people are saying Bitcoin is has no use case is when people uh it's when companies build in the space it's when companies invest and it's when companies uh look very smart when the bull, bull market comes so yeah
0: and i was just talking about how you know like hard it is to wrap my head around this yeah because of that i'm just so intrigued by what your podcast is doing. Yeah. you're doing I, I think i just think it's really interesting to watch and see how yeah. you've grown so far and everything and yeah so-
1: thanks man i really appreciate it. that's kind of the goal is like it doesn't have to be like i'm not trying to be joe rogan like by tomorrow like i don't i'm just doing this for fun like I do have an advertiser, but that's just to kind of uh see where I can do and kind of grow the podcast as a whole. Like I'm not I, like I don't have to have this podcast be anything big. big. Like I understand that the people I'm kind of talking to, like I don't have a very broad audience. Like I can't talk to everyone because every not everyone's gonna want to learn about what Web3 is. Like I, I understand not a lot of people care, but for me, I do care. And the people that are listening and people I'm interacting with kind of are interested in it. And I think Especially if, if even if someone has like, what is Bitcoin? What is crypto? Like, what is this internet money? Like, if they even have that small thought, I want to be able to teach them and maybe send them, just let them listen to a basic episode of that and uh, they can get a better understanding. Like, they don't have to dive deep into it like I do. They can just get a basic understanding of what crypto is so they're not um, kind of left out or shunned from like, just what it is and they have more opportunities.
0: Yeah, and so anyone who wants to learn about crypto, look it up. Web three week. Yeah. I, I listen to the show sometimes, you know, just when I when I'm doing stuff. And
1: yeah. It's rough. It's I mean it's it's a
0: good <laughs> show, but it's I don't know. There's just something. yeah. Like
1: sometimes like even I'll interview people and they'll start talking about stuff and I have a basic understanding. I'm like, oh my lord, especially with developers. When I interview developers, man, they they blow my head off. It's because they're they're so deep into coding, especially now. I'm just like, oh my god, what's going on? But yeah, it's 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 pretty cool. Um, Well,
0: I want to thank you for calling into the show and and talking about your podcast and everything. So check it out, guys. Web3 Weekly.
1: See you guys. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.